Hello and welcome to New Business Paradigms. I'm Christy Jansen, Chief of Staff here at the World Business Academy, here with Ronaldo Brudico, the Academy's president and founder, and of course, Benjamin Schwartz, our production assistant, is also here. The World Business Academy is a nonprofit dedicated to elevating the consciousness of people in the business community and encouraging business leaders to use their power and influence to take greater responsibility for the communities and the environment their work touches. We are recording this show on March 23rd, 2019. And before we get going, I want to invite our listeners to reach out to us at info at worldbusiness.org if you have any questions or comments about the show today, or if you have anything you'd like for us to possibly discuss in future shows. We would love to hear from you. As always, you can listen to us on the go using Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, however you get your podcasts. Just search for the World Business Academy. Also, I want to remind everybody that we have a new weekly radio show, Solutions News. Send us a note if you'd like to find out how you can listen. Well, with that, Ronaldo, where do you want to start today? Boy, oh boy, there's so much. I'm not sure how we're going to get through it all. We've got I know. All we have about an hour to get through it all. Okay, so um, let's start with the conclusion, and then let's back up to why we got to the conclusion. So the, the Fed... Uh, as reported on March 21st, uh, just a couple days ago, Thursday, reduced, you know, the, the economy grew at about 3.5% last year. And we've said on the show that was a sugar high, that that was basically because of the way the tax bill was written. And specifically, it was written to accelerate people's experience of having a lower tax burden because their withholding was reduced. Right. And at the time, we and other people said, gee, that's going to cause a problem later on next year. So the sugar high is going to end. The, the stimulation from the economy is going to end. And when it ends, the customer, the, com the, the consumers aren't going to be able to keep consuming. And so this thing is going to be like, uh, you know, the, the old the metaphor is uh, the, the python that it swallows the elephant and the elephant goes through this oh. big lump, right? Well, you could, you could literally watch the tax bill. And you could see how this lump went through the python called the American economy. And what you're going to see if you look at it carefully is, that we have now created a situation where not only has the Fed acknowledged that the 3.5% last year was aberrational because mm -hmm. it was a sugar high, they predicted just last December, and you know, we predicted last December that the economy would be in recession by the end of 2019. Last December, the Fed predicted they were going to drop their uh, growth, which I think was 2.3%. And last Thursday, they said, oh, that's too high. So 3.5, 2.3, and the new number is 2.1. And that's wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. 2.1 ain't going to last. In fact, That's what's... a 10% drop. Yeah, and what's fascinating, the, the various signs of weaknesses include drop in consumer spending. Duh, of course, mm -hmm. right? Um, another thing that they're noticing, uh, and I don't know if I've got this number in front of me, but I believe 8%, less than that, about, you may have 8, 8 to 10% of the people who have now filed their tax returns think that the tax bill worked for them. 32% say there was no benefit. Mm -hmm. it, because what they're now paying for is that less withholding. Right, but it so, can be tiny in most people's paycheck. But you get a, you get an extra $10 a paycheck, you don't hardly notice that. You don't notice it. You might spend a little more on trinkets. But now comes April 15th, and you're used to getting 
you get a, a couple thousand dollar tax return, you which did. you can buy a new sofa. Right. Now they can't buy that new sofa. Yeah, and, and lower income people typically do make capital purchases with right. their tax refund. Yeah. So what's happened is it's become glaringly obvious to people who file, because people who have the lowest income file the quickest, uh, what's happening is they are not, they're going, oh my God, I used to get a refund. Now I'm paying or mm -hmm. getting a much reduced refund. So that's tightening up consumer spending, just as you would expect. Consumer confidence has gone down. When they saw the restated numbers for retail over the Christmas season, they've been restated downward. If you look at January and February purchasing by consumers, down significantly. So what's happening is the consumers are saying, we don't have a lot of confidence things are going to work out okay, mm -hmm. and we don't have that much jingle in our jeans anyway. And then along comes their hope for tax refund on April 15th. They're going, oh my God, I ain't going to get the money I thought it was. So for a whole host of reasons, consumer spending is down and will continue down with one bright light. The only bright light that clearly is happening is the multi-state effort to raise the minimum wage to $15 is working. Mm -hmm. The people who've gone from 11 to 12 or 12 to 13 or in some cases 9 to 11, those, and this is, you know, Walmart, Target, both have raised their entry-level positions substantially. Um, so you've got probably, I'm going to guess, probably a million or two people. It's a guess. I, I should really try and find out that number. At least one or two million people who are literally making 10 to 15% more because their minimum wage went up. And these are people who could barely survive on the old one, right? So when that goes up, they're going to spend 100% of that. Right. That's the only bright spot. Everything else is gloom and doom. And, and the other thing that's happening is the market is, the market's beginning to understand that even though there's an enormous wave of continuing cash flow coming to the U.S. So <clears throat> as people across the world become more and more frightened of American leadership and more and more frightened of what's happening in the economies of the industrial wait, West. Wait, American leadership? Yeah, in other words, people are losing confidence in America. I'm just... Asking you a question, is there such a thing as American oh, leadership? Oh, well, there, there was. There was. There used to be. Since okay. 1946. Absolutely. Actually, some would argue yeah. since 41. And it ended. Uh, and so now with people around the world are going, oh, my God, there's like there's no there's no cop on the beat. There's nobody like taking care of business. So where are you going to put your money? You put it in the only place where you thought you were absolutely safe, American treasuries. And now here comes my favorite punchline. So we've heard, we've talked on the show a lot about the inverted yield curve. We keep pointing towards it. Every time it inverts, it means recession is coming. Every time without exception since World War II. And, and here we are, um, the yield curve right now is the wackiest I've ever seen in my adult life. And some of you know how old I am. That's really amazing. The yield curve. Listen to this. What it means is the longer I ask you to hold on to, your, to my money, and like, I, I buy a bond from you. If you got to hold it for 10 years, I should pay you more interest because there's more risk. Something could go wrong in 10 years. If I tell you to give me my money back in two months, there's not a lot of risk. Right. And also, if they have your money for 10 years, you can't spend it on anything. Right. So right. if something happens for you, you're... Well, well but no, but you because they're T-bills, you can sell them instantly. Okay. They're liquid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but people all over the world are buying our T-bills. Okay. But guess what? They're not buying 10 years. They're buying two months. Two months. In other words... The people flooding the American economy with cash, including, by the way, the own, our own managers of the massive amounts of cash that keeps building up in pensions and in fund and in 401k plans, that massive amount of liquidity, it's like a tsunami of, of money that keeps hitting every day. And the market keeps going up based on that tsunami and the false belief it, it triggers in people that that up will never end, which of course it, it will. will. And as we said in 2017, 2018, the market will go sideways or down. It did, right? For the full year, don't not the not the swings from 600 up and 200 down and 300 up and 400 down. 
get all the swing. Just McGorn started where it ended, and it went down substantially last year. And that's going to be true again this year. And what the market's learning is it's harder and harder to keep the fiction going than it won't. So now what happens? So you get all this money flooding in. Smart money's going, eh, I'm not so sure the stock market's a good idea. A little overpriced. And it's kind of crazy. Like, well, Friday, market closes down 460 points. Mm-hmm. I look at these, you know, some days it's up 300 points. I'm going, what caused it to go up? What caused it to go down? I mean, nothing fundamentally changed on Friday from Thursday or Wednesday or Tuesday. But what is changing is the overall perception that you can safely get into the American stock market and safely get out. Mm-hmm. Number two, what's happening is people who listen to the show and a lot of people who don't, more than don't, have finally realized that roller coaster ride of 460-point swings down and 300 swings up, that's no fun unless yeah. you really know what you're doing. The stress levels Stress really levels intense. enormous. So where does all that money go? Well, we're talking about yield curve. All that money goes, got to go somewhere. Okay, we'll buy U.S. bonds because America can't go broke because America prints the currency. We're the reserve currency for the world. So we'll buy T-bonds. So here's, here's these actual numbers. A two-month treasury bill is paying 2.48%. That's really very good. That's a strong return. Gets like, you know, the best, this is a true number, the best bank rate you can get on basically month-to-month cash is either Ally today or it might be a, a couple others I could think of. Capital a group might, a, might also have one. But the the average you're going to get from the best banks in the country right now is about 2%. That's the best you can get. Mm-hmm. And here the federal government's going to give you 2.48. Now, why is for, the for government... two months? That's a pretty yeah. short hold. Right. So why are they going to give you more than you could get in a in a cash account? And the answer is because they believe the market's pricing in the fact that the treasury bills could go down mm-hmm. in value in the two months you're holding it. So the idea of getting in and out two months is okay. I'll take a risk for two point four eight percent, but I'm not going to hold a ten year because a lot of craziness is going to happen. So ten years is two point four four. It's Less I'm, than a two-month. It's crazy. I would be better off taking a two-month and rolling it every two months and seeing what happens and hoping that the bond market doesn't collapse because it probably won't. And if I keep doing that for 10 years, I'll make a whole lot more money than if I bought a 10-year bond with all the risk. Now, clearly, unquestionably, as inflation kicks in, which it either will because of the declining economic activity, and you'll see things happening, for example, like in Turkey, which we'll talk about in a little bit, where, where their current account goes crazy, or because of changes going on in China, or because of other factors that are now affecting the economy, there could be an inflationary push. Let's assume for a moment there isn't. If there is no inflationary push because the declining economy keeps a lid on inflation, Mm -hmm. and by the way, that's what the Fed said in its announcements. It said, you know, we see no risk at inflation. It's below 2% right now, substantially below 2%. If anything, their concern is not high enough. Is that what prompted them to say they're not going to be raising interest rates in the next? No, what prompted them is because of the collapse of the economy. Collapse of strong growth. No, they, they're, they're seeing a diminished economic activity. And they're mm-hmm. going, hmm, we keep lowering our forecast for growth. And you know, if you have a 2% inflation rate and you have growth of 2.1%, their current number, what's that in real dollars? 0.1. Yeah. And that's today, and that's a good number. It's going to be negative pretty soon, right? Oh, man. Yeah, I think the growth is going to drop below the rate of inflation. And that's the ultimate inversion for an economy. But sticking for a second with the T-bills. So these, these inversions, why does it mean every time it's happened since World War II that you're going to go into a recession when you invert? And the answer is quite simple. It means that there is no confidence in the long term and there's very limited confidence in the short term, but more confidence in the short term than the long term. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you think you can get in and out before the whole house collapses or gets really bad. 
So when you see an inverted rate curve, meaning you, where you pay more to a customer to buy your two-month bond than your 10-month bond, 10-year bond, that says the confidence is out of the market in the bond market. Now, tie those facts together. People have already lost their confidence in the stock market. They're being manipulated, and they know it, and they're getting, getting clear of that mess. Mm-hmm. And they're going to see that happen more and more as the market continues to trend down over time. And, and the fact of a market break is possible. In fact, I would say in 2019, more likely than not, the market will break. What do you mean by break? The market breaking means that you have a substantial resetting at a significantly lower level. So that would be something in the order of a 15% reduction in the total value of the market as measured by the S&P 500, or 20% for sure would absolutely be a break. And anything above that gets to be so scary, people like me don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But the possibility, by the way, of more than a, than a 20% break is very high in my estimation. Anyway, the point is you got no confidence that it's safe to be in the market because you could wake up one morning and the market could have dropped 600 points and the next day it drops another 600. And you go, oh my God, how do I get out of here? How do I get out? And how do, it's like, and, how do, it's and, like, you, it's like catching a falling sword. There's no way. 10% of the value yeah. of my balance sheet. Yeah, and then you go, well, should, maybe I should try it, wait till it comes back. Folks, it ain't coming back. It ain't coming back. Ever? Not in this year. Not, okay. Not this year. Yeah. So until the instability of the market mm-hmm. strains itself out so it becomes more predictable, it's not a safe place to be. And mm-hmm. it's also not a good place to invest in, in a capital model because our country runs on debt, not equity. Mm-hmm. One fundamental change in the tax law would cure the markets. And that is we should take and equalize debt and equity. So if we would allow companies to get the same deduction for dividends paid as it does for interest paid, then companies all over the country would switch over to dividends. Okay. And why is that important? Because dividend is giving to your share owners a piece of the money you made. It's real. Uh-huh. Inter- paying interest doesn't do anything, right? Doesn't. What, what that, good does that do? I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about that just because I've never heard of it before. Oh, sure. And why isn't that something that the government would pursue? Because one of the largest lobbies in the world is the American banking industry. Mm-hmm. So giving a deduction for interest, but not dividends, slants the entire market towards debt rather than equity. Right. Okay. So if I thought as a shareholder, I was going to get a pro rata benefit from owning my stock equal to what the banks get from lending that company money, I would loan, quote, buy the shares, loaning for free, and I get a percentage of dividends. The, the banks have written the rules. And by the way, there's a great article that came out in um, the New York Times last week, saying that the Fed should take this opportunity where we're having a little pause here and just take a deep breath and use this time to tighten up banking regulations so mm-hmm. they're, they're ready for the next hit. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of what's happening. It is. What the Trump administration is doing is, is cutting them loose right. to and go commit all the same sins they committed in 2007, and you got another 2008 coming. And, so. and we're in a weaker position than we were even yeah. back then. Yeah, and I'm still predicting we will be in recession by the end yeah. of this year. Now, uh, what will be the growth for the total year? Well, if we if we could achieve, let's say, 2% in the first six months, and we go negative in, even in the third quarter, and a little bit negative in the fourth, that'll drop you down. Your growth will be then, for the whole year, will be down around 1.7, let's say. Mm-hmm. Inflation's running at about 1.7, so you'd wash. And from there, it gets ugly. From there, after that, after less than that. Yeah, after that, inflation doesn't even matter anymore because at that point, you're talking about a recession. And we know 
that not only is the U.S. economy in trouble, uh, we know Italy's in recession. I believe France is in recession. You've got Germany literally on the edge of re recession. Into it. You, you got Turkey deeply in recession. I don't even want to mention the U.K. And don't mention, well, we're going to mention UK. Okay, we'll I know. UK for a little bit. Well, before we move away from the U.S., I just wanted to re remind you that the def deficit right now is has ballooned. Yeah, which uh, we predict on to, the show. Yes, largest deficit on record. Uh, it's, I think, $234 billion right. in, in February. Yeah, but, but the real number that you want to watch, and anybody can look this up on their own, is the ratio of debt to GDP. Right. That's the number. You were saying something about that the other day. Yeah, so I can put it in like regular householder terms. If you borrow money to buy a house, there's nothing wrong with that. If the house you buy is something you can afford, i.e. you can afford the mortgage and right. the upkeep and the, and, and the tax, real estate taxes. So and debt You're, in you're that, building equity in that. Yeah, and yeah. the debt is for a useful purpose. Mm -hmm. okay? You're getting a shelter, mm -hmm. a, house, a house. If you, however, borrow money to go to Las Vegas, gamble it away, and now you have to pay it back with interest, that's sort of what we're doing collectively. Right. That's a real bad reason to borrow. So what's happening is the sugar high of the of the tax bill, which which we said when it happened, even before it was in the place, we said that the, the balloon of the deficit will go from not the 1.5 trillion they predicted, it'll go over two trillion. I believe it's there already. Yeah. And and it is. and it's gonna go higher. Yeah. Okay. Now but that would not be bad if the economy was growing faster. So the mm -hmm. thing I always quote is the worst year in the history of America, and, I, and by 2020, I think this will no longer be true, maybe by the end of 2019, the way this administration is going, 1946 was the worst ratio of debt to GDP. Mm -hmm. What you borrow the money and what you get for it. The mm -hmm. GDP is what you get for it, debt's what you borrow. 1946, we paid for World War II, so we had this massive amount of debt. But the ratio of debt to GDP drops precipitously year after year after year, all the way up to 19. Yeah, we had we had exponential growth. growth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we grew faster than the debt yeah. could burden us. We have the opposite now. Mm -hmm. So now we're our growth is slowing down, the debt's accelerating, and the cost to service the debt's going up so high that I believe certainly by 2020, possibly by 2019, we will exceed the debt to GDP ratio of 1946. We paid for World War II to get that number. What do we get to get to this number? We got a one or two percent the top of our economy benefited enormously, mm -hmm. and everybody else, pardon my language, got screwed. Well, so, this, is well typical Trump, this is typical Trump, very Trump business yeah. management. Yes, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's why I went bankrupt six times. It, yes. Now, um, I want to just throw out a couple of things that people should be focusing on. Uh, the jobs report uh, in, in February was only 20,000 new jobs. The average for the last five years has been about 180,000, 185,000. I don't think the 20,000 number is good. I think it's going to go pound. It'll pop up from there. That's really low. But it's not going to go to 150,000. And I'm not sure it'll get to 100,000 job growth. And that means that the number of people who are actually making money to put back into the economy as consumers isn't going to go up high enough to help us get out of the economic bind we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're getting ourselves into. Okay? Watch that. So consumer confidence numbers, watch it. It comes out every month. Watch the jobless rate and, and watch the new jobs created, which was only 20,000 last month. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the average is 186,000 for December, January, and February. February and then in, uh, well, Feb no, February came down. It's December, November, December, January. So what we're looking at is people who are somewhat discouraged looking for jobs. There's, that's clearly true. 
but we're also looking at a mismatch of both jobs and locations. Uh, we're going to talk later about the right the GM the GM plant, plant and, and, and and the fact that they're adding a uh, new electric vehicle to the Orion Michigan plant, which mm -hmm. now currently makes the Bolt. And in make and in making that decision, GM, despite what Trump tweeted about reopen Lordstown, which they're not going to do, a GM delivered an interesting statement saying, look, we've got about 2,000 extra jobs we haven't filled yet. We have about 1,000 people who lost jobs from GM in places like Lordstown, and we're trying to migrate them up there. And so far, they've migrated about 1,000 of the old workers back into the new factories or the expanded factories. Now, the, the good news about it, we'll come, well, we'll come back to those factories in a second, but the good news about that is in a tight labor market that GM would have 2,000 good-paying jobs uh, is really wonderful news. But when you look at it across a nation of 370 million people, it ain't bupkis. No, it's a tiny drop in the bucket. Tiny drop in the bucket. And when you look at all the other things this administration is doing to hurt us, that great statistic we did just yesterday on the other show, we were talking about for every dollar put into the Clean Air Act, I think the number we saw was $65 billion has been the cost of the Clean Air Act, and it saved us $2 trillion of medical costs. Right. What a bargain. Yeah. Huge benefit. That's Huge Obamacare. Benefit. Huge benefit. Huge benefit. When you start to take that apart, when that goes away, mm -hmm. that's like taking apart one of the ways you, quote, make money in the economy. Side note, did you see that Texas, the state of Texas is now suing uh, the oil company because of violations of the Texas Clean Air Act? No, I didn't see that. That's pretty funny. Houston? Yeah, I thought that was I, that's, that's priceless. Solid. I can't remember the name of the oil company, actually. But. Yeah. So, so when you've got a country as strong as Germany on the edge of recession, you got France probably there already. Italy clearly is there. Turkey is there. Then you look at the poster child for dysfunctional countries. And normally I would say the U.S. at this point would have that ranking. They would be the poster child of dysfunctional. I got to give it this week to London, to Brexit. The, the Brexit challenge, and I noted that just yesterday, what the unofficial estimate is that over a million people marched in London yesterday saying, let us vote on this crazy us, thing. I, I, and yeah. the, uh, the Prime Minister May won't. Now, can you imagine what will happen if they don't let them have a vote and... They leave with no deal? It'll be an 8 to 10% crash in their economy almost instantly. Yeah. It's already happening. I, I've got friends in London who can't sell their flats. Yeah. Who wants to buy real estate in London? Okay. My, my favorite poster from the protest, by the way, was somebody had a, a sign that said, Ikea has better cabinets. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and, and fromage, not farage. Yeah, farage. yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so you're you're talking about such a dysfunctional situation in England that if the politicians don't come to their senses, there'll be no Tory party in two years. Mm -hmm. England will have reversed four hundred years of economic expansion. So, ever since uh, Queen Elizabeth the first, first, when she first got lucky and beat the Spanish Armada and turned a little island seafaring nation into a, the beginning of a global power. Not since then have they made a mistake this bad. It's that bad. And so that's going to destroy the, the conservative party because May has been absolutely intractable, saying we won't let them vote, vote again. Why not, now that they know the cost? Mm -hmm. I don't think people knew what the cost of Brexit was. They're not economists like we are, and they didn't understand it. And now they, that they understand it, there's 4.5 million people in a little country like it, England who have already said... We want Brexit to go away. Well, also, they were misinformed with the, oh, the yeah. way the Facebook Well, they were was, diddled with the Russians, by yeah, the Russians, yeah. as we were. Anyway, so 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 London, the UK, and by the way, I, I don't know if we did this on the last show or not, but there's over one trillion 
of banking assets have already left. Yeah, went, I think we did talk about okay? that last so week. So that's 10% yeah. of their total financial business. And where they went was, was to France, Paris primarily, and secondarily to Brussels. Uh, that's continuing, mm -hmm. and that won't change. Um, and so the question is, if all of that pain is going on in Europe, and we have all the pain we're describing in the U.S., what's likely to happen to the U.S. economy with our key trading party, partners like Europe? Yeah. yeah. And when you've got China that's not only going into a reduced growth period, even the, prime, the premier of China is saying out loud, we're going to have trouble making our current account positive. Now, China has not had a negative or a current account deficit in three decades, probably. So if China is going to start borrowing money instead of lending it, and they're in the middle of this belt and suspenders new Silk Road thing, which apparently they just signed Italy on last week, hmm. I don't I mean I don't see how China can pull off that. It'll it'll survive because it's going to manage control economy. But with that reduced economic activity, which that implies, and the other countries like Germany who sell to it getting further banged, it seems to me that it's entirely likely that there will be a, a likelihood, very strong likelihood that the economy uh, globally is going to go into a recession by the end of this year. It's certain in my mind for the U.S. I would say it's almost certain for the global economy. So that's our, our, our wrap yeah. up. About it. And so China can't, they can't continue They're to not fund. Be, no, the only country that's really pumping still is uh, the engine of growth right now is India. Mm -hmm. And they can only go so fast given everything else that's going on. And they've got, you know, an election coming up. They almost got into a war with Pakistan a month ago. They've got a, a huge problem with, um, uh, there's a man named Modi who has no relationship to the prime minister who was just arrested in London two days ago, who's been fleeing jurisdiction because they've discovered $1.8 billion of fraud in his account. Oh my goodness. This is a guy who's an amazing character. He, he, he designed jewelry. He got started as a jewelry designer and he's done jewelry for the stars. Okay. In fact, Kate Winslet wears one of his sparklies All that right. is really wealthy. And uh, turns out that he's been bagging money and when the... Indian government discovered this huge defalcation. These are in Indian-controlled banks, so he was doing it to the government in their own banks, and they finally figured it out. He fled that day to London, and he was just arrested. They found him, and there's an extradition treaty with India, so they're going to extradite him. Mm -hmm. And the reason I'm telling you that story is because India's doing its best to deal with all of its basic issues. That story is going to help the BJP get reelected. The fact that Pakistan gave back the, the downed Indian pilot is going to get BJP reelected. As that happens, my hope is that the pressure on India to grow at, say, 7% won't be that great. But in a downturning global economy, if it can continue to grow at 4%, it would be wonderful. That would be. But the last engine yeah. of growth that I can see. Yeah, we didn't talk about the new deadline with Brexit, but it, it probably won't matter. But no, the new deadline is really, it's really simple. So, in fact, it should talk about because if you miss this one, it was, it's too good to, to miss. So the date was May 29th. So May's been screwing up for two years, trying to get this deal done. And by the way, the deal's a terrible deal. I mean, it's, it's not even, it, it's best light, it's a terrible deal. But for both parties, but worse for, for the UK, obviously. And the UK has a provision that says, I mean, not the UK, the EU, European Union, that if any country, any single country in the EU, the 20-some countries, if any single country objects to the extension of time, it cannot be granted under right. Article 50. It has to be 100% approval. Yeah. And so when they went to get the extension that May wanted, which would have been till June something, the end of June, Juncker, the, the head of the, of, the, of the EU, said, wait a minute, we're going to have parliament, European parliamentary elections. We're going to elect people from the UK, 
when they're leaving? That doesn't make any sense. Or they're going to leave after we elect them? That no, doesn't no, make any sense. No. So give us an answer by April 12th. Mm -hmm. And here's what we're going to tell you for the answer. The answer is by the end of this week. So today is the 20... What is Today's it? the 23rd. Today's 23rd. So by the 30th of this month, of March, March, you must pass... a. Uh, it's a week from today, by the week way. week from today. May must pass through the Parliament that bill that's been slammed and rejected twice for Brexit. Or you must give us a plan by April 12th, or that's the day you leave. So, and, 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 a, and a plan that we can agree with. I'm hoping that the plan that they agree with, they, they come to their senses and say, the plan is we're going to put it to a vote, give us two weeks to get that vote to happen, or three at most, and they get a vote for Brexit. I think the population of the UK, of the UK. UK undoubtedly at this point would reject Brexit. I think there's no question they'll reject it if they're given a chance to vote. And if they're not given a chance to vote, think what that means for the, not only the Conservative Party, which is going to be, no, there's Tories going to be are done. general chaos in the population. It's already happened. In fact, they're, you know they're doing drills right now. They're doing <clears throat> drills of how they're going to deal with the traffic because the backup of the ports and the ferries. They've right. actually had drills yeah. these days. Well, it's going to be a huge problem. Oh, it's, 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 it's almost unimaginable. So okay. that's that. Well, that's most of the international things we want to talk about. I don't know if you wanted to move on to politics in the U.S. because yeah, the, the be big event happened yesterday. Yeah, the Mueller report came in. It came in like a five o'clock. It was announced like a lion. It came in like a like a, uh, like a mouse. Um, we don't know what's in it, so that's problem number one. But let's say whatever it is, we know that there are no new indictments that Mueller is recommending at this time, mm -hmm. which is kind of surprising given how many fingerprints. Although he did farm out a, a lot of different investigations yeah, but, to other, but other it, agencies. Like that means that he's going to give them, a, he's got to give them a pass on that meeting mm -hmm. in, in Trump Tower because that's, that's Don Jr., uh, that's Jared Kushner. Kushner. Uh, yeah. uh, it's all that gang. Bannon. And, yeah, yeah, so that's kind of troubling. It's also troubling that Rick Gates, who's been cooperating, mm -hmm. was the number two guy for the transition committee. Which, as you recall, a lot of Russians illegally came to the inaugural. Well, they're still they're still investigating that. That that was farmed out to yes, the but, but, they, but they, what they did they kept, they, they're, they're killing the Russian collusion part of that. Okay. Okay. How did those guys end up there? They like somebody said at a party in Moscow, "Hey, let's go to the inaugural." No, it's like, yeah, no, it's they funneled tens of thousands of dollars through other people. Hundreds of thousands. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. And so <laughs> there's that, and then there's you know there's there's you know who bought. Okay. So this just happened on Thursday. Who bought this apartment from Trump, one of his buildings, right? Trump, uh, Trump East, I believe, for $2.5 when the market value was about $2.2 tops, and the buyer's been undisclosed. And do we really believe that somebody's overpaying to Trump's properties because they think it's the last chance they're going to get to buy an apartment from Donald Trump? I don't think so. I think that they're, it's like, why does all that money get spent at his downtown hotel? In Washington D.C. Why are people buying memberships to Mar-a-Lago? Mar double the price. Double they the price they were. So the answer's got to be, you know, you know how to grease this guy, mm -hmm. and it's, it's not a secret. So I think that what we should fo focus on with the Mueller report is, now that it's uh, it's coming out, you got fifty percent of the people in this country think that it's a sham. That it's right, the witch hunt. The witch hunt thing, even though you know six witches have been convicted, <laughs> thirty-four have been indicted, and um, you know, and and clearly. All kinds of chicane, over a hundred contacts with Russians at critical times yeah. of the campaign. So whatever it is that Mueller concluded about why he could or could not bring any other Russian issues, it's clear to me that we have a curious problem 
And that curious problem has to do with the instability to the economy when 50% of the people think the Mueller report, whatever it is, is going to be crazy witch hunt. And 50% of the people are going to say, wait a minute, how come we didn't indict? Something, something so you're going to literally here. split down the middle. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to resolve itself easily. So that contention, that friction in that, mm-hmm. which it's almost civil war status now. That's that's going to further impair the economy in 2019. Mm-hmm. So we weren't expecting that additional piece of baggage, but that's on the table today. Right. Although we were, we've all been sitting on pins and needles waiting for the Mueller report to come out. Yeah, because we were hopeful that the Mueller report would be really um, a roadmap. Well, it'd be damning to. Well, no, it'd be a roadmap of what happened and how to happened, prevent it in the future. To, yeah, exactly. And, and I think that the, you know, that may be in there. It could be. As I said, we don't know what's but in it. We but, don't, yeah. but at this stage, the, the battle lines have already been drawn. I've mm-hmm. started at, on the news programs for the yeah. last 24 hours. What I've been hearing is half the people in America think the Mueller reports so witch hunt, and half the people think it's, it's, it's you should have indicted other people. Right. So you've already got this collision of beliefs. And what I'm saying is that in a collision of beliefs scenario with everything else we've painted the picture of this mm-hmm. economy, there's no chance 2019 is not going to end up in recession. There's mm-hmm. just no chance. So anybody listening to this that making the – informed economic decisions, really needs to think long and hard where are they going to put their money, how are they going to spend it, where are they going to save it, how are they going to put it put it aside in some fashion to maximize the chances that it will still be intact for them at the end of 2019. And hopefully be they will have yielded enough income to compensate for uh, inflation. So they need 2% on their money. And it turns out uh, you can buy treasury bonds for 2.4. I guess maybe let's all go buy some treasury bonds then. For right? two months, there's no yeah. one in five years. Small ones, yeah. Okay, um, the next one I want to talk about, though, that's really important. Uh, I think the emergency declaration on the border, I think is a story that's kind of wending its way to conclusion. And I, and I don't see any further economic uh, significance to that story. But what I do see is significance to what happened with Mitch McConnell and the ranking uh, majority members of the Senate who went to the podium, I think it was Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, they went to the podium in the Senate and said, we will get a copy of the secret report prepared by the Commerce Department that's basically proposing a $7,000 tax. Now, the, the White House said that they were not going to give that report out. It's a secret report. Right, the they Commerce were trying Department to keep did. it from coming out. They want, to keep, they want to keep it from coming in. So that $7,000 tax triggered something so outrageous so outrageous that they could not even hold the fort to help the president keep it secret because their phones came off the hook. I got a feel that probably 25% of all the lobbyists and lawyers on K Street in Washington who work for the various uh, automobile companies, work for the oil companies, anybody having to do with automobile transportation are absolutely going bonkers, right? And they're calling McConnell and the Republicans going, hey, we write checks to you people. You Stop this craziness. Absolutely. And so McConnell, who's the ultimate defender of the president, do any crazy thing he wants, out of the clear blue, with 48 hours notice that he's not going to get a copy of the report, maybe even 24 hours notice, he comes in front of those microphones. Now, the question somebody asked me, I think it's a cute question, is his wife, McConnell's wife. Right. She's the transportation secretary. Yeah. I guess she couldn't get one either <laughs> at the cabinet meeting. So it, for, for whatever reason, they're keeping it really silent. They're keeping it quiet. Well, that came out of the Commerce Department, right? Yeah, that, Commerce that, Department. That well, it hasn't come out yet. They're still well, hiding it. Okay. But it will come out. It, it will. And, and by the way, it'll come out DOA, dead on arrival. Right? It's no question. So they're not going to add that tax. No. no they can't they, do it. They can't. It's, that would be like, that would be sort of like uh, putting, you know, bathing yourself 
in, in, in gasoline and lighting a match to see if you catch fire. <laughs> you will. <laughs> That's called self-immolation. Okay. Well, speaking of the auto industry, we were going to talk about the GM. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Orion, Michigan. Orion, because Michigan. Because I love the name Orion, of course. We love Close that. to my heart. Exactly. But um, General Motors announced that they were going to add about 400 more employees to the plant in Orion, Michigan, because that's where they make the Bolt. And what they're going to do is they're going to make a new electric vehicle there. My guess is they're going to take a vehicle, which is going to be a slight upgrade from the Bolt, so it will be competitive with the existing Model 3 of Tesla. I'm going to come back to Tesla in a minute. And that they, because they're seeing the initial sales of the Bolt are fabulous. Bolt's doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. In fact, on our show yesterday, yeah. County Supervisor Doss, Doss Williams, Williams revealed he drives one. its praises. He loves his car. And he, yeah. He's got a Bolt. So, um, and I've always thought the Bolt was great from the first time I read about it uh, on the drawing boards. Mm -hmm. So, the motor vehicle industry is definitely going electric. Uh, yeah. Ford. Ford, they invested $850 million in a plant in Michigan. and uh, Which, by the way, is not a lot in that world. No, less it's than not. a billion dollars in the automobile industry. But they're planning to hire another 900 employees that's there. That's right. To, and that's for electric vehicles. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and Volkswagen, if it can get past its current troubles, mm -hmm. which are enormous, uh, Volkswagen is talking about being an all-electric company. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think there's a serious manufacturer of vehicles out there today that isn't. And by the way, that's without even looking at Neo over in China, which is giving Tesla more for the money. Absolutely. So yeah. now that I've mentioned the word Tesla, let me just say this. I, I continue to be grateful that Elon Musk made owning an electric car cool. I mean, it took a guy from Silicon Valley to make it cool to have an electric car. So that was cool. And I think he could have pulled it off, but, but because he was so intent on getting to market, and he took $500 million from Panasonic, that turned his company from a car company to a battery company. Mm -hmm. Isn't it interesting that he's building a giga battery factory in Nevada, not a giga car factory? Think about that. Why? Because he's controlled by Panasonic. What does Panasonic make? Batteries. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they don't I mean, Panasonic doesn't care if you put your batteries in a car, if you put it in your house, or if you put it in a uh, renewable energy project. All they want is to sell you batteries. The problem Tesla's got is that the batteries Panasonic makes are crappy for cars. They make a lithium ion cobalt battery, which has enormous heat dissipation issues. Uh, you cannot do it safely, so that's why the federal government will never buy it. Was that the battery that was in the massive Boeing that yeah, they yeah. had to stop? <laughs> It's production. the battery that's. Remember when they couldn't? You, can't, you couldn't. You couldn't take your um, uh, vapor pens because they caught fire in your pants, kind of thing, on, uh -huh. on airplanes. That's is same it, one. Is it the hoverboard battery? That probably would blow up. When probably, you probably would be. I remember that Christmas. Yeah, it's it, the, <laughs> anything that has lithium ion cobalt cannot safely be kept under control. What, does that mean everyone's going to blow up? No, one or two percent, maybe five percent. Yeah, but, but that's, that's that liability that. is not acceptable. Okay. And what Tesla never consumer product is at the end of the day, after making electric cars cool, he had to build a machine to build them that could compete with Detroit. Mm -hmm. He thought by using a lot of robotic technology that was cutting edge, because he's a cutting edge guy. I mean, mm -hmm. the guy builds rockets yeah. in his spare time, which are darn good rockets, by the way. I think mm -hmm. SpaceX is a phenomenal company, and that's also Tesla, uh, Elon Musk, rather. I, I just think that um, Tesla is a non-survivable proposition. So the stock is down again in the last week, and it's probably down about 15 18%. But it's going to keep going down. Yeah, and, 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 and I don't see it having a future unless some large car company buys it. Uh-huh. Yeah, That's I mean, the future for Tesla. Somebody's got to buy that company. But it's it's still at 200 and some dollars a share. It's still way overpriced. Mm -hmm. So you, they, they got to wait till it gets hurt more. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, will they all have caught up and beat Tesla 
in the manufacturing game. In the meantime. In the meantime, in which case Tesla has little value to them. Or will somebody either in Europe, the Swedes, for example, who sold Volvo, now maybe they want to get back into business, they could buy Tesla. You got China, certainly could be a buyer. You've got, um, conceivably, you've got the French consortium with Nissan and Mitsubishi, which is run by Renault, former, former mm -hmm. Goshen you know, group that, you know, Goshen was taken down. And so now that, that group is still intact. And by the way, after Goshen went to jail, they still did not change the share rate. Those, those three companies are still combined for a joint marketing effort. So they could conceivably pick up a mm -hmm. Tesla because they're a pretty big company when you combine the three. So that would be Renault, uh, Mitsubishi, and Nissan. Those three mm -hmm. are in that alliance. Okay, so basically, um, I think it's exciting for the automobile industry. Uh, one of the things that our listeners should know is if you're waiting to buy an electric car because you're not sure, buy it now. In fact, right now, that's one of your better investments. So the best thing you can do if you got extra cash, pay off your credit card bills immediately. Don't think twice because that's that 21% interest will kill you. And if you still got money left over, you might want to think about, and you're ready even remotely considering a, another car, buy a new or used electric vehicle. Even if you buy a new one like a Bolt, within the five years that you're likely to own it, it will cost you less than, than, than a, an, an internal combustion. combustion yep. Because the gas is not going to be there. And there's, buying electricity. there's no moving parts or less moving parts. There's so less moving parts. So you maintenance, maintenance is much lower. less. Yeah. There's no oil to speak mm -hmm. of. I mean, there's a lot of things that the efficiency of an electric motor is so much greater mm -hmm. than it is. And then, of course, there's all those cars that, like I'd like to drive, the hydrogen vehicles that are coming on, both cars, trucks, and now locomotives. Did we talk about the German locomotives last time? I'm not sure. if I don't think we did. Okay. So this is a fun story. So all the big cities in Germany are tied by electrified rail lines already. So if you go to Hamburg to Munich, you're going to go by an electrified rail at high speed. But there's thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of what are called spurs or, or local distribution mm -hmm. points that are serviced by diesel locomotives. And that's not just true in Germany. That's true everywhere. Right? Mm -hmm. It's true here. You, know, you go down to our Amtrak in California, you're going to see a diesel. The idea of electrifying all those lines, including our lines here, Ain't going to happen. No. So how do you get a green locomotive? Mm -hmm. Because the only choice right now is diesel. And the answer is hydrogen. A fuel, so, a fuel cell train. Fuel cell train. So what's happened is the Germans, actually Siemens Corporation, bought a company called Alsum, which is the, was a French technology company, the best one in France, who had the technology for these engines. Now, the European Union has broken up that merger on antitrust grounds. But the Germans are still buying the engines. They have taken delivery of the first one. They got 14 more to go. And the first one went in service about three months ago and is performing beautifully. And the beauty of a, of a hydrogen fuel cell train, like a semi-truck, is you can make the, you can mass produce the fuel cells like you mass produce personal computers. And you can daisy chain fuel cells like you daisy chain personal computers to make a server farm. Keep just adding keep adding them so and the, get the, more power the out Toyota of it. The Toyota truck that won the contest down in Long Beach mm -hmm. for trucks going in out of the Long Beach, Port of Long Beach in Los Angeles, which had to be green. The company basically picked up most of those contracts. It's Toyota because they took the fuel cell that's in my little Toyota, they put two of them, and that became the truck. <laughs> and they've got, you know, they got a great deal. So so I'm looking at hydrogen, and I'm looking at, which is an electric car with using a gaseous fuel rather than... than and I heard with... Uh, Somebody told me the other day that the Toyota, the cars that are coming off lease, the Mirai cars coming off lease, at least in California, I don't know. I think most of the hydrogen cars in the U.S. are in California. But those, you can you can pick them up for really great prices right now yeah. from Toyota. Uh, and I think that'll continue. 
Yeah. That'll continue because what Toyota's and Honda has not made the decision yet, by the way. Toyota made the decision. They crossed over. They decided. They are they've been, all in for hydrogen. All in. They, they had about three years on the road in Japan before they brought them to California. Then they, they did about yeah, two, 3,000 cars a year. They go, oh boy, this is another Prius. Now, if you remember what Prius was like, that story, everybody said, what a crazy idea. You know, who's going to buy a Prius? I mean, come on. Now, of course. Other than Ronaldo. <laughs> well, that's who bought it originally. But no, the, look what a success the Prius was. Yeah. And it was revolutionary, that car. And it's now revolutionized the whole. Who is a car manufacturer today doesn't make a hybrid, which is what the Prius was, the mm -hmm. first hybrid. So. And, and not even the most brilliant use of hybrid technology, in my humble opinion. I think the Volt is a better hybrid than, than the Prius. But they got their first, they realized, and before anybody could figure it out, they started pumping these things up. Like, I think we have over a million Priuses on the road in America alone at this point. It's amazing. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, and that's what's going to happen with, with hydrogen. With the hydrogen. Now, the, the holdback there, of course, is one state, California, that was picked for the experiment, has been putting in hydrogen stations, as you know. We're up to 30-some at this point, and we'll get, we're on our way to 200. And you are going to be able to take a car, a hydrogen car, to New York and tell the states in between also supply hydrogen. And, and is it more expensive um, per, per mile with a hydrogen than fuel than, than gas? Well, we don't, we don't know because major suppliers of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles today, meaning Honda and Toyota, both provide free hydrogen. So we okay. don't know what will happen, but there was a great paper. And by the way, anybody listening to this wants the state of the art on fuel cell technology and green energy uh, is a paper that I think it's two German scientists did. I just saw it literally less than a week ago. Uh, it came out on February 29th. And what they did is they proved out in a calculation what the World Business Academy said five years ago. We said five years ago, we could see the day coming fairly soon where you could get the cost of hydrogen down to about $7 a kilogram. And why that's important is a kilogram of hydrogen is like equal to two gallons of gas. So one kilogram will take you two gallons of gas worth or more, depending on how you how That's you about pressurize. equivalent to a, a gallon of gas right now. Yeah, well, this paper California. says the, the real number is closer to $4. Wow. Not seven. Wow. And that's huge. Yeah. And what they're saying is the, the market today for electrolyzed hydrogen is already equal to or better than natural gas from a cost basis. And that's going to drop further on mass production. Just going back to the German trains, isn't part of why they are investing in hydrogen trains that they can generate green hydrogen up in the North Sea? Right. And, 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 yeah. and that'll, have, that'll be part of, part of the fuel. And they fuel. can take that hydrogen locomotive and pull and just, that hydrogen as gadgets. Yep. And people always get turned off by the, what it takes to <clears> cool it to liquid. No, nobody in their right mind would use liquid hydrogen unless you're launching a rocket. What you use is in the standard in the U.S. and Japan, by the way, which means it will be the standard globally, is 10,000 psi, mm -hmm. which is plenty to get you 300, 280 to 300 miles in my car. Compressed gas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the, the issue for today that I wanted to just touch on uh, before we leave the, the whole international scene uh, is that, uh, by the way, you know, on the Tesla thing, I was, I was telling you this earlier, Christy, mm -hmm. we're getting ready for the show. They did an interesting test of how, how well is Tesla actually performing. Actually performing. And they're having sales results that are really bad. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, last month, only 6,252 Teslas were registered in the 23 states, which basically are where most of the Teslas are located, according to the Dominion Cross-Sell Report, which is a bank puts out this report. And what's interesting is that compares to a monthly average of 13 to 17,000 Teslas yeah, in the I fourth think quarter. I saw something about December, like 23,000. December 2018. Yeah, well, that was, be yeah, that's right. And that's because uh, it was the last month for the 
full rebate. Right. Rebate. Right. So if you wanted to get your full rebate, you had to get in by December 31 to take delivery. So there was a lot of registration. Okay. So that's abnormally high, 23,000. But here's the number for California because that's really the test market. Uh, Tesla in California only registered 2,198 cars in the entire state in wow. February, down from 15,000 in January. That's a and tremendous a much drop off. It's a huge drop off. And, and I think, you know, Tesla shares are down to 264. So, it, which is still probably 164 higher than it should be at least. Um, but anyway, the point of the story is that I'm looking now at ways for us to see activities overseas having implications in the U.S. And, and, and a couple I want to touch on that I, uh, I referred to in passing at the beginning of the show. Watch what's going on in Turkey. Mm-hmm. So Turkey has what's called a current account deficit problem. It's, 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 it's importing more than it's selling. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's surprising given the lira drop. Their currency is called the lira. Dropped 20%. 20%. Which means that everything you buy from Turkey is cheaper by 20% today. Okay? Is it judged by the They US still dollar? can't export more than they no. import. No. And... and What's going on in Turkey is that the son-in-law of Erdogan has now been put in charge of the Turkish Fed. <laughs> and people thought that might be a bad thing for a bunch Talk of Talk about nepotism, huh? Yeah, but, but it actually might be a good thing. because He's listening to the son-in-law, and they're, they're doing some smart things. Okay. They're, they're, they're raising their interest rates and doing some smart things. But I looked at a, a couple articles just before this last couple of days. I don't think Turkey can turn this around right now. And as the economy globally continues to deteriorate, by the way, this hurts Germany because Germany is, I think, Germany and China are the two largest trading partners for Turkey. Uh, certainly the EU is the largest one. So Turkey is going to be selling into a, an EU recession to get itself out of recession. Ain't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So even though I think they're doing a better job on monetary policy, still not a great job, but better, um, I don't see how with Erdogan's approach to economics, which is quite close to what Trump's approach is, meaning don't tell me the facts, I've got my mind made up. Uh, and he did about everything wrong you could do to hurt his economy, and now he's paying the price. Mm-hmm. And to climb out of that mess, take a, it's going to take a while, and it would take a strong global economy to help him get out. That isn't going to be there, so look at t- Turkey's problem to add to, tilt further the problem mm-hmm. in Europe and, and, and the global economy. Okay, And, and the last one I want to touch on real quickly um, is I want to touch on how... And I said this in conjecture with the, with the bond market. People used to think of the United States as a kind of like a beacon of wisdom about how to manage mm-hmm. companies, the economy, et cetera. We keep people in line. Yeah, and we and we were smart enough to know how to. Mm-hmm. And we've abandoned that. And, and no one has faith in it. And so what the European Union has done in the last about 18 months, which it never used to do, it's leading policy on antitrust. It's leading policy on enforcing unfair competition. Mm-hmm. So, for example, that Google got fined $1.7 billion in Europe. Uh, Microsoft had been hit a while ago. Facebook's been Absolutely. hit. So yeah. right now, instead of the U.S. setting the agenda for how companies have to perform so they don't run afoul of the law, that's now defaulted to Europe. And that won't change. Even when we are posing a full-blown recession completely, it's not going to change because Europe understands the implications to their economy and to their population if they let companies run wild. Mm-hmm. In the U.S., we've sort of surrendered to corporate greed. Yeah. Europe has said, wait a minute, we can't even trust the Americans on this one, so we better ourselves monitor and control what would otherwise be abusive corporate activities. And that's not only as to privacy, which is a big one, but it's also as to 
the way they rig markets. The unfair competition. Yeah, and, and, if, and, and like I'll tell you, I, I was shocked. Well, I, Amazon, I think, is going to be hit potentially with that in Europe as well. Yes, they will be. Although I, I'm less concerned about Amazon than I am about Facebook and some others. But but I want to just acknowledge it, the only candidate in either party running for president right now who has issued a series of, of thoughtful papers on all these different issues is Elizabeth Warren. Absolutely, yeah. And I was kind of silently cheering for her when she said, you know, it's time to break up the giant tech companies. Mm -hmm. Well, she's right. I mean, mm -hmm. I come from tech. And the truth is it does inhibit competition because you know if you come up with a great idea, they'll either cr cr crush it or, or, or buy it, and then they will take and amalgamate it in with the rest of their stuff. And the entrepreneurial opportunity to build your own company in the face of that declines. And when I was a kid back in the 70s, much younger, uh, in Silicon Valley, where it was all dramatically happening, and I was deep in the in the Silicon Valley culture and everything else, we used to refer to Microsoft. And I'm not kidding you. You, anybody, you find anybody my age, and I'll tell you this. We used to refer to Microsoft as the evil empire because Microsoft used to come into any business they liked, and they'd say, I'll tell you what, we're going to give you 10 cents on the dollar to sell to us, and if you don't, we'll crush you. That's standard oil. Well, That's what standard oil did. That's what every large capital-based company does that has huge control of their own marketplace. Mm -hmm. And so what I think is really critical is we have to look at it and say, okay, let's follow Europe's lead. If we're too lazy, let's insist that our regulators get back on the job. And I'm not just talking about the Environmental Protection Agency, which as we talked earlier in the show, created a $2 trillion benefit yeah, for the $65 what about billion dollar the, cost. The FAA, for The example. FAA, <laughs> which by the way, look, look at the damage to Boeing as an oh, exporter. That's our number one exporter in America is Boeing. And they shot themselves in the foot. They're going to they're have a terrible time trying to recover that, that market share mm -hmm. because people now know they can't be trusted. Right. It used to be you could trust an American company governed by American rules and regulations. But that's out the window yeah. now. It's, 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 it's open season. Talk about Indian corruption. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that kind of marriage of regulation and business interests, it just shows that you there's, that's, the, that's corruption. So that's... That's true, and, but since you use the word India, I got to tell you where I want to end today. Oh yeah, I haven't talked about the Midwest floods. Yeah, you're right. Okay, quick one: the Midwest floods. So, as 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 a farmer perceptibly reported to a reporter who asked, "What's going to happen?" Because you've got Kansas, Nebraska, Missouri, Missouri, and Iowa, basically in crisis, right? And you've got another fifty miles of these diked levees that could go at any moment or be topped off. And, and the flood season just started. Right. In fact, this last flood happened because the ground was still frozen. And so the water from the rains, the, mon the cyclonic the, mon the monsoon. The bomb cyclone. Bomb, bomb cyclone. Couldn't get into the ground. So no permeate, which is, by the way, that's why Houston gets flooded. Right. Because they paved it over. Paved over everything. There's no place for the water to go but uh, across the, the asphalt. Well, here's what was fascinating about that Midwestern thing. As the farmer correctly observed, there isn't a big enough tax base for all of those states together to rebuild the levy system. Hmm. It doesn't exist. So where's that money going to come from? Now, the current budget is dead on arrival. Clearly, the current budget of Trump is, is dead. But where, how are we going to allocate our resources? At a time when the Commandant General of the Marine Corps says Marine Corps readiness has been compromised by being forced to go to the border for no reason. That's uh. the Commandant of the Marine Corps. Now, if... And he's reallocating all the funds from the military to build a wall, build a wall at the border. Nobody wants and <laughs> isn't going to work. So, so the whole point of that comment is 
We desperately need to do infrastructure in this country. We desperately need to do it. And, and this is a perfect opportunity to realign the domestic economy. It creates nothing but American jobs. It would be a great way. And by the way, that's how we made money after World War II. It was called the Marshall Plan. We built stuff, dams, bridges, roads, sanitation facilities, on and on and on. You know, when you see somebody like Mayor Garcetti investing $8 billion to get the Hyperion plant to take the 190 million gallons of water every year dumps in the ocean and turn those 190 million gallons into potable water by recycling them through the, the aquifers, that $8 billion is a great investment. That's, a phen- that's, that's really smart. And by the way, that $8 billion is going to go mostly to American companies and mostly to American workers. So we need infrastructure, and we should be putting all the pressure we can on our elected leaders, Democrats and Republicans, to get us some infrastructure spending and reallocate our resources. We're no longer the big guy that's going to go to war all over the world. That's over. It's time for us to use that money. And, and let's use it wisely and invest in exactly. green technology. Right. Well, and, that's where the and, margins are. Right. That's where you'll make more, mo- more money. Right. Okay. Investments in wind, solar, geothermal. Okay. Here's where I want to end. You mentioned the word interest. I did. So as people know, I'm, I, I like to recommend gold in times of crisis. And I think it's fascinating. I was looking at gold on Friday went up uh, five bucks or six bucks. But, uh at a time when the market went down dramatically, and at a time when inflation clearly is not the issue, people aren't buying it for inflation, and at a time when uh, oil prices went down, typically gold historically has gone up as an inflation hedge against oil. Well, one of the big things people talk about when they say, well, the reason gold goes up is look at all that the Indians buy, which is true. The the Indians have 23,000 tons of gold bullion that they wear. Oh, yeah. I've been to an Indian wedding. Yeah. Okay. So that happens to be about um, three times, 300% more gold bullion than the United States of America has. They're wearing three times the gold that we have. So people say, well, the Indians are buying the gold. And sometimes it's Southeast Asians. So I'm reading this article, which I, I just got to end with this. It's such a delight. So India has been putting tax after tax on gold. It's just driving people there crazy. It's like every time they keep raising the price to bring gold into the country, they keep buying it. But they're buying it at a lower rate now. So even as the price of gold has been going up, India's purchases has flattened out. And I believe will start to run down because the second biggest import cost to the government of India after oil is gold. Hmm. So they don't like that, right? And once the BJP gets back in power and they get reelected in this next election, with you know, that's the largest democracy in the world. It's gonna, they're going to have this massive election. It's going to take, I don't know, how many weeks to get all these like a million polling places. It's like 100 and some million people are going to vote. It's an amazing dog and pony show. But as that happens, the continued pressure of the government, of Modi, to keep gold imports down means that the price of gold, as it continues up, is truly an accurate reflection of only one thing. It isn't inflation. It's fear. And to paraphrase in the opposite, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, there is something to fear besides fear itself, and it's gross mismanagement of the domestic economy. Can we please, please start doing something rational? That's it for today, folks. That's it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that's I had really, more, but that's enough. I, I, I think that would be a great thing if we could really answer that question with a yes, but I'm not sure if that's going to yeah, happen. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, the, the, the irrationality in London is insane. The irrationality in Washington is insane. And until the government of the United States particularly the, the, the legislative branch, until the legislative branch assumes its appropriate responsibilities uh, in, in our form of check and balance government. Until that happens, it's going to get crazier every week. So just fasten your seatbelt. Here we go. And I hope everybody has an opportunity to listen to Optimist Daily. 
uh, to get it from um, on the email. Read the Optimist Daily. Read the Optimist Daily. And listen to Solutions News. Listen to Solutions News because there's so much negative information out there. That's how I stay sane. Mm -hmm. I look at Optimist Daily to see five things a day that really, really, really are positive. Or 10 if they want to become a, an emissary member. Even better. 10. Even better. Write us at info at worldbusiness.org or just go to optimistdaily.com and sign up there. Sign up and start getting two minutes a day positive news. With that, Good thanks choice. very much, Christy. Thanks, as always, Benjamin, for your help in producing the show. And uh, everybody, will look forward to next month, and hopefully we'll have better news by then, but don't count on it. <laughs>